Welcome to Fear Less, an audio series designed to help you take action towards letting go of your eating disorder. My name is Jessica Flint, and I'll be your guide to helping you embody the recovered version of yourself. Like every human being ever to walk this planet, you and I are not immune to fear. It is biologically programmed into our brains. At the same time, I'm committed to not letting fear control my destiny and want you to have the same freedom. Every time we choose courage over fear, we grow stronger and receive what we desire most in regards to our recovery, our health, love, wealth, and impact in the world. In order to fully let go of your eating disorder and whatever is holding you back in life, you need to learn how to alchemize fear into courage. So let's lock arms and do this work together. Welcome back to Fearless, my warrior loves. Today, we are going to be talking about responding to fear versus reacting to fear. This is an important thing to distinguish that you can respond to your fear or you can react to your fear. So we're going to dive into that further. And our co-pilot for this Fearless adventure is Andrea Wells, who I have with me today. Andrea is the new host of Recover Strong and just excited to have her here as she transitions into her host role and as I transition into the host role of Love and Learn in the fall. And together, we're just on this journey, and we're excited to have you be a part of it. So Andrea, welcome back, and happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I've been enjoying this so much. Oh, you're doing great. You're a natural girl. (laughs) Thank Uh, you. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, last episode, we talked about the four core fears that we all have in common. And just to recap for everybody, I do recommend going to the episode and listening to the lesson because we we go into them further. But we we have these four core fears. And it's not like we're isolated, like we only have one. We often have all of these fears just in different ways and different shapes and forms. And the first core fear is a fear of death. And second is a fear of our loss of autonomy. So this is our individuality, our ability to make decisions for ourselves. And the third is a fear of separation or loss. And the fourth is a fear of ego death, which sounds really dramatic, but breaks down to a fear of shame, humiliation, or worthlessness. So this idea that we're we're not good enough as we are is is a form of an ego death because the ego wants to feel important it wants to feel like it is all it is special right and when we don't feel that that can be a very devastating um, experience to to our ego i find that eating disorders fall a lot into that idea because so much of it rides on these deep feelings of shame of humiliation and and worthlessness i find that are those tend to be very common in the eating disorder experience. Andrew, when you think about these fears, do you have one of, of these different common fears, ones that are more of your basement fear that you keep coming back to and you notice has some strong patterning in your life? Um, yeah, I mean, that it goes right back to body image. Like you said, there's a fear around what society may think of you. We talked about this in a previous episode. Um, yeah, what society may think of you, what other people may think of you, that's definitely an egocentric fear. And also, I'm also thinking when you're talking about like loss of autonomy, that's another thing that comes up. It came up for me with eating disorders is like loss of autonomy over my control over food or control over my body. There's a lot of fear there. They come up. It's, it's evolved over time. I mean, I have a fear 
like I think so many people do in recovery of, yeah, how will people perceive me if my body is larger or doesn't look the way doesn't look the way that society thinks it should? And that continues to come up. It comes up in different ways. It's definitely something that horrified me in the beginning, like ruled everything I did. And now, because the process of fearing less is that it's not going to totally go away, but it's less and you handle it differently. So this fear has evolved and I do handle it differently. It doesn't shake me to my core. It doesn't dictate everything I do or don't do anymore. It is something that I'm mindful of because I do live in this society where people do value body size, people do value appearance. And I feel strong in that on my end, but the world sees it differently. So I have to reconcile these two things a lot. And there's a lot of fear when it comes to that of, okay, like I don't hate myself because of my body, but what if someone else does? Like that affects the ego. That is egocentric. That could be ego death. So that's something that continues to come up for me as well. I continue to work through it. It is, again, not severe. (laughs) It's still there. It's still a thing. It's still important. It's something I work through. But I I handle it differently. And it's something that I'll continue to work with and go through as I continue the journey of body image healing. Mm, Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I find so much people's strong responses to us have so much to do with their own inner world. And that can be a logical thing for us to like, okay, yes, I understand when they're reacting strongly to me, it's because there's a part of them that is un- not okay with with it inside themselves, right? And uh, or just just not okay with an aspect of that. And, that. and that's what we talk about in terms of shadow work. And but just recognizing that that those fears are are real that we do live in a profoundly sick society with and i think there's this quote that i've heard like there's no it's no measure of success to be adjusted to a profoundly sick society to do things differently takes a lot of courage to be different uh and cuz you know it really dials into like fitting in or belonging and fitting in is not about belonging. Fitting in is about changing who you are so you don't receive judgment. Belonging is truly being yourself fully and allowing the people in your space who accept you to be in there. And then that does really ride on our own acceptance first. And so I find that whenever we're doing any deeper work, the acceptance is the most important part. And when we often are met with some big change in our life, we do have to go through a big process of grief. Uh, maybe for you, Andrea, it's grieving the your body that you the the ideal body, like grieving that there's probably a like, as we talked a pursuit of thinness that really encapsulated most of your life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if that was something you put so much energy and so much attention into, there's a grief around that because one, it wasn't attained, and two, it was all for what? (laughs) Like, because it wasn't real. It was like an illusion that you were chasing. Then you start to come in with all the stages of grief, which are anger. Uh, We also get our bargaining where, well, maybe if I try harder, maybe if I try this other diet, or maybe if I just do it a little, my willpower turned up a little more, uh, then it will work. Or, and then we look at that other stage of grief is that we will have just complete denial of it, which I think is very common, not even seeing that this is an issue. And Ultimately, we'll then find depression. Depression comes for a visit because it's like, huh, like I didn't have it all figured out. I thought this was the path, and this path didn't work. So, what what's now? You know, like the depression can really feel like that. Like um, like you've mentioned it, like uh, despair and just confusion, lack of clarity. Right? I feel like those are all things that happen when you're in a depressed state. It's like 
you've been this under the spell of disillusion and it it's so hard when it hits the the reality of it uh, and then um and then we ultimately once we grieve we can come into this acceptance stage and this is when the magic happens and i don't know if we can really get there unless we fully address and acknowledge these other stages of the grief cycle and this really does allow us the new foundation to which to grow on you know i found that myself when i was recovering from an eating disorder I found that myself now as I'm recovering from, I still haven't found the right words for it, uh, honestly, because there's different ways people talk about it. But like what I have struggled with has been more around thinking that once I find a partner, that I will be safe and secure and happy. And it's so funny when I fully just like saw it because I didn't see it for many years. I was in complete denial. I... And we're fed that though. It's not like this is some crazy invention of Jessica's brain. Like this is literally what we're taught from a very early age. This is at like the systemic level of like patriarchies that like women are unsafe on their own and oh fear the sovereign woman. We've created this kind of concept of the damsel in distress who will be saved and who, and I'm not at all excluding this idea of like a beautiful partnership and union of people coming together to help and support one another. But when this power dynamic gets set in place, that in order for me to feel safe, in order for me to be secure, in order for me to be okay, I need to have a partner in my life, that creates a power imbalance because what are you doing? You're always making, you always need to have that there. So I do think my higher self, my ultimate soul self knows that about me, that I need to really resolve that before it will give me the partnership that I ultimately desire, which I have beautiful dreams of a partnership I always have. It's but it's something I've always wanted. But I found that it was so parallel with my journey with an eating disorder. It was the exact same thing, exact freaking same thing. Once I realized that, I was like, oh my gosh. It's just like I thought once I had this body and if I did this right and I like controlled my weight, then I would be safe and secure and happy. And it, I had it, that's not how it worked. Like once I let go of that, and just accepted my body and accepted who I was and accepted that I, you know, accepted my body and was able to just eat regularly, not not have this power dynamic with food where food has so much power over me. And I would give all my power away to food. And then there was all my power away from men. When is he going to text me? Why does he like me? Oh my God, what a waste of power. What a waste of energy. I look back and I'm like, girl, you wasted so much of your time on that. It wasn't worth it. You could have been on so many other things and have built yourself up in all these other ways. And then you're, when it comes, when you have this, then you're in your best self. You're not looking at something outside of you to make you different. So that's, you know, your food, the food choices you make, making you different as in changing your body size. This is patterns, guys. When I talk about patterns on the show, patterns. Look at your patterns. They're everywhere. How we do one thing is how we do everything. When I saw that, I was like, oh my God. And you know what was so helpful for me? I was like, oh, I was able to work myself out of an eating disorder. I know what to do. And literally that same mindset was like, damn straight. I am not letting this problem destroy my life or control my life because I understand how to break this pattern because I did it before with an eating disorder. I can do it again with this. I've done that too with other <laughs> mental health struggles. I'm like, hey, if I can get through an eating disorder, I'll just do the same shit with this different, same shit, different pile, same healing, yeah. same growth, <laughs> different different flavor, different variety. But if you can do it in other areas and if you're still getting over your first hurdle of an eating disorder, you, oh my God, just learn, watch the patterns, keep an open mind, listen to the points of fear less. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. And recognize that there are these basement fears. So why I just jumped from like one maladaptive strategy to another maladaptive strategy was because I didn't feel safe and secure within my own self, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of looking at like, wait a second, like I could just jump to another one if I yeah. really, but no, no, let's tackle the real basement. Let's get to the root of it. And this is what I will be talking about on Love and Learn because I truly think that within all of us, that's what we really need to cultivate is a strong sense of self, safety, security within our own self. And this does not mean we can't have a beautiful, connected relationships. And and, and to be honest, I think it creates even more beautiful, connected relationships because it's not coming from the codependent, really needy place. Yeah, no, I get that. And that's reminding me of like when people say um, there's this concept of like, you know, you call your partner your other half. And um, I like to say like my partner is my other whole because I'm already whole by myself. I'm not half a person. And I think it's kind of similar to that where that makes all the difference. I love that. That's like where I'm, that's actually where I'm progressing into. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. All right. So let's dive into this lesson on responding to fear versus reacting to fear. In our lesson today, we will be exploring reacting to fear versus responding to fear. Now think about it. How many times has fear taken over your better judgment? Can you recall a situation where where you overreacted in anger or became ultra defensive and guarded? Or maybe you let jealousy strain your relationship or you ran to the nearest destructive behavior to numb out and forget the feelings. So press pause and recall a specific event where you reacted out of fear. It can be helpful to jog your memory so you can really understand about this particular moment in time where you reacted versus responded. And you can think about what was underneath the fear. Was it a fear of death, fear of losing your autonomy, a fear of separation, or a fear of shame, humiliation, or worthlessness? These are the core fears that we all struggle with that were discussed in the previous lesson. Now, it's important to remember that when we react to a fear, we are accessing the reptilian survival part of our brain. And instead, when we respond to a fear, we make a conscious choice that involves input from the more evolved parts of the human brain. So easily put, reacting is instinctual. Responding is a conscious choice. Reacting is instinctual. Responding is a conscious choice. So when fear gets triggered in us, it's important to know that as some parts of our brain are revving up, others are actually shutting down. When the amygdala, which we'll learn about more as we go through fear less, when the amygdala senses fear, the cerebral cortex, now this is the area of the brain that governs our reasoning and judgment, this part of our brain becomes impaired. And ultimately, it becomes difficult to make good decisions or think clearly. Now, I have a name for this. I like to call this snow globe brain. A snow globe is a transparent sphere. And traditionally, it's made of glass. And inside, it's enclosing a miniature scene of some sort. And the sphere is has water inside of it. 
and the water serves as a medium through which the snow falls. So whenever you want to have the snow fall to activate the snow, you need to shake it up and churn up all these white particles and they get dispersed and the globe is then placed back in its position and the flakes fall down slowly through the water. So snow globe brain is when the same thing is happening inside of your brain. <laughs> this snow globe brain happens when, when you get triggered and your mind gets clouded by fearful thoughts, worst case doom and gloom scenarios, and a lot of old pain stories. The most helpful thing you can do when you are having a snow globe moment and these, then the fear and pain stories are blanketing your mind like a blizzard of snow is to wait and let things settle. Make decisions when you have a clearer, calmer mind. Now the trick is to start to become aware of when you are in a snow globe moment and when you do have a clearer, calmer mind. This is becoming aware of the initial reaction, how your body reacts physiologically. And in these moments, you want to resist doing anything. And call upon your higher intelligence to consider the options, possible ramifications, uh, you know, connect to who you want to be. Does your future self really want you to make these decisions? Are they in alignment with your best interest and what you truly desire? And then from here, you can choose how to respond. Now, responding requires you to look at the circumstance. You identify the problem, the situation. You can see if this is a past pattern or if it's a pattern that's coming through. You can hear what is happening. You can take some time to reflect, write in your journal, talk it out with somebody. And that reflection can be for five seconds, five hours, five days, or however long it takes you to respond from the clearer, calmer mind. So the time frame doesn't matter. What matters is that you stop, suspend all your judgment, and open up to more possibilities than the doom and gloom scenarios your mind is feeding you and flushing you with. So I like to think about this as a gap. This is a gap in time from the stimulus and your response. And it's this gap between the circumstance and your behavior is what helps you feel in that you have greater control and ultimately freedom. In responding, you actually have a choice in the matter. You'll become more confident because you'll start to realize that you can make better decisions. You absolutely don't have to fall into the deep grooves created from old trauma stories experienced by you, your parents, or your ancestral lineage. But the key is that pause that awareness. If the situation requires immediate action, then just take a deep breath first. Now, when we react, so this was about responding, right? Pausing. Now, when we react, this is that absence of this time gap, the space in between a stimulus and a response. So this is an immediate instinctual behavioral response, and it is usually based on emotions and not our logic and intellect. So reacting to events, reacting to comments from other people, or reacting to sudden situations in an immediate way, this can often lead to unpredictable outcomes and actually distancing us from what is best 
Because immediately reacting can mean that you're not thinking about future consequences. And if you're experiencing a snow globe brain, it is easy to get lost and not see the situation from your emotions. And when you're in a blizzard and a snow globe moment, you can't see anything clear. Now, there are obviously certain times and places for reacting, letting that instinctive part of your brain take over. We do have this innate biological mechanism for a reason. So if you're being attacked, for instance, you want to immediately react for survival. So how do you increase your ability to respond? You can increase your ability to respond through learning practices such as mindfulness, yoga, meditation, all of these are super helpful. And once again, to never underestimate the power of the pause. When we are meeting a moment with mindfulness, it means that we're able to watch ourselves when something happens that might normally upset us or cause a a big reaction or trigger some emotional reaction to observe how your mind reacts without judgment, to simply observe. Observe the stories it latches onto. Observe how your body physiologically reacts. And pause. You do not have to act immediately. Just because you have an internal reaction doesn't mean you have to react immediately. You can watch an urge to act irrationally arise and then let it go and watch it fall. This is the idea of urge surfing, that these urges or these moments of wanting to react come in waves. Sometimes they rise and fall in a matter of moments and other times you need to take more precautions And that means you could remove yourself politely from the situation and give yourself some space to cool down and reflect before you do respond. Most important part is to observe the reaction, notice the sensations, notice the stories. Name it. When you name it, you're able to claim it. And in this space, you can start to consider what is the most intelligent, compassionate response that I could give in this moment? What response has the highest good for all concerned? Now, this is definitely a practice, but in time, you'll learn to watch your reactions and you will get better at the pause. And on a final note, experience is our greatest teacher. I found after so many years of reacting that the common denominator was me. The common denominator was my fear of abandonment and the painful, unhappily ever after stories I would tell myself. And it didn't matter who I was in relationship with, the same issues came up. And this is when patterns can be our friends. They can be our teachers. You know, experiencing snow globe brain so many times has given me the wisdom to know that the intensity of my emotions are not in proportion to the situation or the person. It's about my deep fear of separation and abandonment. So knowing this allows me to respond with love and compassion to who needs it most, little me, little Jess. Now this is my main fear story that got seeded very early in my life. And you may have a different fear story. Whatever your main fear stories are, know that they are calls to become more compassionate and connected with yourself in the past, 
present and future. Whenever you feel yourself about to react, pause. Take a deep breath, step back, and give yourself the opportunity to respond from a place of compassion. And remember, the greatest things in life are on the other side of fear. So do not waste another moment of this precious life holding yourself back. And if you want support to cultivate the courage to face your own fears in recovery, head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com to get on the waitlist for The Courage Club. The Courage Club is a personalized support system and a supportive community to uplift you every step of the way. Picture yourself surrounded by a community of resilient warriors who genuinely care about your progress and will celebrate every victory, no matter how small, and are walking on a similar path to full eating disorder recovery. Inside, we are tackling struggles with food, body image concerns, and negative thought patterns. Head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com and embrace the journey towards a healthier and happier you. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember that fear doesn't have to hold you back. You can live with greater courage and take back your precious power.